0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Acting. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, good morning. uh, Very nice to sit with you and practice with you. It's, um, It's unusual for me to get up as early as I got up to <laughs> and, and come over here. And, and, but it was so sweet. I mean, there was like, you know, I'm usually up around 6.30, but I don't take my kids to school until 8. And I got up at 4.30 to leave at around 5.20 and come here. And it was like, of course, it was dark and quiet and just magical. It's, you know, and I thought, why don't I do this every day? And then I, now that I'm feeling sleepy, I realize why. <laughs> oh, that's why. <laughs> um, earlier in my practice, and I I was uh, spending time um, at the Berkeley Zen Center a lot. Uh, some of you might be familiar with um, Berkeley Zen Center, but like a lot of Zen centers, they offer daily meditation, so just uh, just six days a week there's public meditation, and it's at five forty in the morning and um, you know there's various reasons why it's historical reasons and some maybe dharmic reasons why it's why it's that early, but it's at five 40 in the morning. And I was living in San Francisco. So to get to Berkeley by like 5, you know, and also in Zen, they close the door. (laughs) So you can't just kind of trickle in. They don't lock it, but they close the door and you're kind of, so you really need to be there by 5.40. And so I'm trying to remember, I think I would have to leave the city at around, and of course there was no traffic, but still leave the city by 5.00 five or something or ten to five and I did that for a few years and it was so sweet I mean there was something just so um, it really felt to me like the meditation began as soon as I woke up you know and I would kind of you know have a very minimal routine and but just going and getting in the car and kind of this there's some quality of presence that carried it. So by the time I got there, it was like, okay, bring it on, ready. (laughs) Um, So anyway, these these days, these full days of uh, practice uh, are special to me and they remind me of that. And um, I think that was one reason why I wanted to suggest this theme of just as it is, you know, in that sometimes when we can think when we have a whole day to meditate, you know, we're supposed to be getting somewhere. <laughs> you know, we have various ideas, various ambitions about what good practice is supposed to look like. You know, and it's, it's quite uh, true that the picture we have of practice, the picture we have of meditation, what we think meditation is about, what we think the goal of meditation is, this determines a lot. This determines how we practice and this determines how we relate to our practice. So if I have this idea of I'm going to sit for a day and going to solve XYZ problem or finally get to that special state of calm or bliss or something that I've read about or I think about or at the very least you know something's going to happen <laughs> um, the practice of just as it is is like in a way it pulls the rug from under, under, underneath these ideas um, it's like, you know, it's it's sort of the opposite of what we want. We come to practice because um, we want something to happen, we want something to change, and to to be met with the request and the practice of to to be with ourselves as we are, to be with life as it is. It's sort of like what, what, you know, why, why, um, and I think. But this is this is the radical aspect of Buddhist practice, of Dharma practice, that it's 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 pointing to a kind of freedom and pointing to a transformation that uh, involves allowing everything to be as it is, to life life as it is, um, and the the Dharma the Buddhist tradition has a lot to say about life as it is. Um, this, is a, this is a haiku that I found last night from Basho. Four temple gates, four ways beneath a single moon. Four temple gates, Four ways beneath a single moon. Um, in the in the imagery of dharma, dharma practice, the moon um, often stands for uh, truth. It stands for reality. It stands for awakening. Um, You know, the sun gives this very hot light. But the moon is said to give a cool light. You know, and um, so the moon is like represents the infinite. So he says, four temple gates, four ways beneath a single moon. So the moon is the truth. And the temple gates are the ways of entering into this truth, the ways of accessing this truth. Um, And so often in Dharma practice, we talk about the the Dharma door, the the Dharma gate. Um, It's, you know, just to say truth or reality or life as it is, it's 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 hard to it's hard to connect with that sometimes, but when we have a gate, when we have a, a way in, a gate is a way in. So, um, so I was thinking to myself, what are these four ways in? And I, I, I don't know exactly what Basho had in mind. And in the footnotes, they talked about the different sects of of Buddhism in Japan, and so that's one idea that kind of different different um, schools of practice but I think in, in maybe um, a bigger way we could think about um, the, the gates of um, of of suffering so, so I'm going to suggest the three gates the gates of suffering the gates the gate of impermanence And the gate of selflessness, of not self. And you might recognize these three as being, you know, what in our Theravada tradition they talk about the three characteristics of life as it is. You know, that things change, um, and um, usually or often in response to that change, we suffer, and um, we also change. That there's not a fixed self. So these these three these three qualities of life as it is these three gates, um, and I think if we can see these aspects of life as gates rather than as some kind, something kind of grim that we have to come to terms with. But a gate represents an opportunity. You know? So in, in the Dharma, in Dharma practice, um, suffering, our suffering, our distress, our unease, our difficulties are an opportunity. Um, the encounter with change, the encounter with impermanence, with the inconstancy, the unreliability of things this is also an opportunity and the truth about selflessness that the self is not maybe not exactly what we think it is That it's something that's shifting that's changing with each moment maybe we could say it's identical the self is identical with each moment this is also an opportunity so what i was going to suggest is that you know um, I guess today there's three talks, and what I'd like to do is explore these gates in in, in these kind of short short teachings or short talks, um, and then at the end of the day, I'll give you my theory of what the fourth one is. <laughs> this is called a teaser, <laughs> a cliffhanger. <laughs> And then you can always listen to it online or whatever if you, if you care. If you if you're not here, um, so this maybe is a generalization, but I would say that many of us, if not most of us, come to practice through the gate of suffering. Um, there, you know, this is this is a unusual enough practice that you know. It's usually not an accident that um, that that we find our way here, and often it's through the gate of suffering. Just meaning that um, in one way or another, um, life is not serving up exactly what we think it should be, <laughs> you know, what we want, or we have uh, come to some place where our usual um, strategies of meeting life, you know, in one way or another, aren't working anymore. And you know, for some of us, it might be the result of a big transition in life, or some uh, loss, some uh, you know, some some unwanted change. Some you know, whether it's to do with relationship or career, or life, you know, whatever. But we we start to um, wonder, you know, maybe in a little bit of the same way that the, the Buddha wondered in his uh, trials and tribulations of uh, doing very extreme practices, you know, is there is there another way? Um, rather than just living in a way to... Um, minimize my suffering and and get away from the suffering and replace that suffering with some some kind of good feeling. Um, what what would it be to to see difficulty to see suffering as a gate? Um, and so in in practice. Um, Suffering is given a very important place. Some of you might be familiar with the Four Noble Truths. Well, the first of these is the truth of dukkha, the truth of there is suffering. Um, that life is, in, maybe in its deepest uh, level, is never going to be exactly what we want it to be. You know, and, and you know, what, what is it? How can I live? How can I be happy? How can I be peaceful um, in, in light of this truth? Um, so with each of these gates, what I wanted to suggest is that there is a practice associated with the gate. And then, you know, I don't know if we can say it's the result or something, but it's something to look for and I would suggest with with um, to to enter the gate of suffering is to first of all to acknowledge that there is suffering that there is difficulty um and that it's not a mistake you know it's it's part of life and um it's it's something that we can bow to and actually because suffering is what brings us to practice and it's said that um you know according to the dharma view the place of noticing suffering is like a pivot point and if we just keep doing the same thing we're doing we're going to kind of keep on this wheel um and i think you know many of us know about the wheel of suffering and um, uh, you, you put the same input in, you get the same result. And you put the same input in, and you get the same result. Um, so it's said that if we... Um, but if, 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 if suffering wakes us up in some way, it, it can actually um, arouse faith and trust that there is another, there's, there's another way. So this other way involves first acknowledging that we're suffering. And um, whatever difficulties may be present when we're sitting, when we're, you know, sort of like we're here today, how, how, how might we be suffering? Well, one way is that sensations and feelings arise that we don't like that we don't that that are unpleasant that are uncomfortable Um, one of the ways that practice is designed is that it's designed to help us to learn to um, coexist with our difficulties um you know sitting in the meditation posture sooner or later we're going to get bored we're going to get uncomfortable we're going to get impatient we're going to get frustrated and the question is what do we do what do we do with that if we're going on the cycle of suffering well we're going to distract ourselves we're going to soothe ourselves the way we soothe a puppy or a baby or something. Oh, yeah, here, have a cup of coffee. Have a this, have a that. I mean, I know this very well myself. Um, but the request of practice is actually to stop for our suffering and that there is a value, that there is a beauty, there's a wisdom in, in including, meeting, touching this difficulty with awareness. So can I breathe with it, these feelings, these unpleasant feelings, these unpleasant memories, unpleasant whatever. Can I stay here? Can I, can I let the stillness of this body, can I let the silence of this room just hold, hold this tenderly, hold these feelings? Um, so it's like, can I breathe with it? um last night i was i was you know just one one example I was in bed i thought oh good i'm going to it was about eleven to ten thirty which is a little bit <laughs> earlier than I usually go to bed i thought okay i'm going to go to bed early and be really well rested and wake up at four thirty and you know and you know and then it was like one thirty It was like, wait, what happened I was <laughs> and um i think that the puppy could sense that i was i was still around and then so i had to take her out at like midnight then it came back in and then i was and then i started thinking about something and it started i could feel getting agitated i was thinking about you know just this very important person in my life who's getting older um He's 90, and, um, and and like for the first time, I mean, it sounds strange, but for the first time I I, I saw him uh, yesterday, and I thought to myself, huh, he's getting older. You know, so that's pretty good to be 90, and you know, for the, to think that, and he's in p- pretty good shape for 90. But there was this kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it could feel, could feel something um, you know, slipping away a little bit, and, and I had that feeling, and, and I didn't, it was uncomfortable. I didn't like this feeling. And what I did was I just laid in bed, and I said, I'm just gonna see if I can completely relax the body and allow whatever's there, whatever emotion, whatever images. And I just let the mind kind of go with it. And I was thinking about him and all the different times we've had and the different things. And I could feel some joy and then some grief and some uh, sadness. And, and um, there wasn't a big cathartic release, but it was like, it was allowing in some way this practice became a kind of conduit. The body, the awareness, it was like a container, a conduit for these feelings to just flow. I just said, let it flow. Just, you know, just... And I was there and I felt very cozy and kind of supported in the bed and was breathing. And then there was this nice sense of peace and it was like, okay, okay. It's this kind of... Something has moved through a little bit. And then it was easy to fall asleep, and it was, you know, and um, but this is one example of how to how to pass through the gate of suffering. You know, when something difficult arises, um, can we let it be a doorway, an invitation into? You know, it was like for me, this was like a request for another level of presence, another the level of awareness that I was at wasn't enough to meet this. It was like, oh, ooh, 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 no, I don't want this. Mm, you know, and I needed to kind of call up an, an awareness that was deeper, that was richer, that was more encompassing, that was more inviting. And it was like, no, let this in. This, this is important. Just really want to let this in. And so, to to enter the gate of suffering is to, um, in some way, let that suffering awaken something in us. Let it awaken a tenderness, a warmth, a quality of presence that is is willing to be to be with this. You know, so the suffering wakes that up in us, and then this quality of presence. You know. It kind of becomes the container, you know. We're kind of growing our container, um, growing this capacity to be with not just difficulty. Though the thing is, the more extreme of the difficulty that I can be with, also that's that's like pushing out this container, and that means there's more room for joy. There's more room for wonder. There's more room for all of our humanity to come in. If I'm just kind of very pinched off and I'm not going to feel this, you know, whatever, just not going to feel this, then I don't have room for all these other beautiful qualities either. So in practice, moment by moment, we're given this choice of can, can I let this in? Can I stay here with this? Can I stay here with these feelings of impatience or uh, uncomfortable or agitation, irritation? Um, And sometimes the answer will be no. I can't stay with this. Right now, my mind is so tight around something or is so frustrated that that I don't feel this capacity and so get up, get a cup of tea, do whatever, do our walking. Um, but when we can stay with it, even just for a little bit, it's to have that trust that each time we stay with it, it's, it's, it's growing, it's growing this capacity. It's growing our humanity in a way, to be with the full range of, of our humanness, of human emotions. Um, so I think we I think we know what it is when when difficulty arises, but if we need some help or in in a moment when we're we're not we're not sure, one of one of the uh, ways that helps me a lot is to sense into any any feeling of struggle in the practice. So if i med- if I'm sitting or walking. Um, and I feel like there's some struggle happening. Um, that's, you know, it, that is a great uh, moment of mindfulness. It's a great thing to become aware of. When I'm with things just as they are, by definition, there isn't struggle, there's no gap. You know, here's what's happening, and I'm with it. But if there's a sense of struggle, and for me, often I sense into that in the body. There's some contraction in the belly, maybe. I hold tension in the belly, and so over and over again, I come back to the belly, softening the belly. You know, softening the shoulders, um, finding my posture. But then, you know, is there? Where is the struggle? So the struggle could be physical. The struggle is often mental. This is something's happening and it shouldn't be happening. Right? Sh- shouldn't is a really good, another mindfulness bell. Um, so, sensing into the struggle. And then, what I would say is the practice for suffering is a practice of acceptance and surrender. You know, the gate of to pass through the gate of suffering is to deeply accept that this is a noble truth. This is part of life. The Buddha said, birth is suffering. (laughs) You know, to be alive in some way is to experience suffering. It's a little bit unrealistic to think that we can only feel joy and delight and happiness all the time, right? You know, so to be alive is to have some, Level of suffering, and um, what does a deep acceptance of this look like? You know, what does a deep surrender to um, you know? Of course, in practice, we want to um, eliminate any unnecessary suffering. Um, but what about the suffering that comes from uh, you know the the, the natural, beautiful parts of life. I have a friend whose, um, whose dog of fourteen years passed away last week, and he was saying, "It's like, you know, it's 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 not such an original observation, but it it really came home to him that the price of love is suffering. The price of love is." is feeling that loss. And while he wouldn't, he wouldn't give up those 14 years of love, he also felt, my God, this hurts so much. I don't know if I want (laughs) to love like this, or get another pet, or get another dog. You know, but this is a, this is a part of the calculation, that we're in this human world of relationship, of attachment, of care. Um, Those of us who are parents, you know, what is it to love a child? And that, you know, that kind of attachment. Those of us, we have parents, we have partners and friends. And um, so, um, you know, a a deep acceptance and surrender to me means that we have to take life whole we can't just have the love and the attachment and the joy without the suffering, you know. It's like, it it comes as a peace. And what is it to hold all of this with kindness for ourselves, with compassion? Um, And what I would say is that, um, I don't know if this is always the result, but through through a practice of deep acceptance and deep surrender to life as it is, can, can bring um, its own form of peace, its own form of deep ease and, and deep understanding and deep well-being that um, this is the way it is. And um, I'd rather be awake I'd rather be um, present and hold all of what life has, and hold all of who I am. Um, and, and there's a wonderful peace that can come from that. It's not the peace of. It's not a brittle peace of trying to just keep my little oasis of calm. And I don't want to hear any bad news because that's just going to kind of, you know, I know that I know that temptation or that. In, Feeling, um, But it's the peace that comes from um, deeply engaging in life on its own terms. And oh, what a relief. I don't have to keep strategizing and trying to get away from this. And um, it's okay to be, to be here and to be part of this and to, and to just simply feel what I'm feeling. So, th- this is going through the gate of, of dukkha, of, of suffering. Um, so, thank you very much. Mm.